Hey, how y'all doing? It's your host with the most DB, aka Dakari, bringing it to you live on another episode of Without Boundaries. Without further ado, I'm gonna let my co-host introduce themselves and let's get it rocking. All right, this is a new mini series that I'm doing within uh, the Without Boundaries podcast. It's gonna be called uh, Downtime with DB, and um, of course, I'm your host with the most DB. Um, other two co-hosts aren't here for this segment because it's kind of a personal segment where I kind of get to just talk about, you know, things that's on my mind more in depth and more in deep um, context because, you know, during a regular show, you know, I kind of have to keep track of the the train that I'm driving and making sure that everyone's kind of staying on task. So this is more so just letting me speak a little bit more freely on my mind and just kind of to give a little insight on what, you know, goes on and what I personally think on a couple of topics that I may have not gotten to really speak in depth on um in regular episodes and just kind of random things that i kind of want to help people you know be knowledgeable about so um i kind of thought i would start this first episode of the mini series um about healthcare. um you know especially with coronavirus going around and a lot of things going on that you know are very uncertain um it's important that you know, we kind of recognize our healthcare system and potentially even, you know, find ways to sit there and try to improve it. And one thing that I kind of wanted to even start on is this whole concept of the coronavirus vaccine. Um, so initially when this virus started, we had no data, no type of leeway to kind of go off except for, I believe we had SARS and we had um, Middle East um, Eastern Respiratory Virus. We had two other corona cases, but they weren't COVID-19. They were previous cases that were discovered in the past. So kind of what I want to start, you know, talking about is, you know, we don't really have any solid cure for COVID-19. We have a lot of trials we have a lot of things that are being tested and a lot of things that are being made, but we don't have any type of information to go off. And so what I kind of had read the other day, and it was funny because I was actually scrolling on Twitter. And, um, you know, coincidentally, when I scrolled on Twitter, I saw this on the news that apparently they're going to try to mandate um, these experimental vaccines. And I sat there and I thought to myself as I was getting ready to go into work and um, I was like, well, how are they going to mandate, you know, these experimental vaccines to start with when they don't even mandate masks for people to sit there and have on their face? Like, if you're going to sit there and mandate a vaccine for everyone to take, why not mandate the mask to sit there and stop the virus as well? If you're going to sit there and try to pretty much put the virus all in one, you might as well go ahead and give them the whole platter instead of giving them pieces of the food. You know, you want to sit there and try to start at the root. So I was sitting there, I was thinking about it, and I was just like, well, okay, then they're going to try to mandate uh, vaccines now. Um, my first thought initially was, um, I'm not getting stuck with no type of needle, ain't nobody sticking nothing into me, ain't no damn shot, ain't no damn random fluids is getting pumped into me that I, A, don't even know if it really works or not. B can make me feel more worse than I actually do or make me contract the coronavirus because essentially vaccines combine a lower or a lesser strain of the affected disease and they make your antibodies pretty much go ahead and fight it and your immune system becomes adapted to it and you begin making cells to combat the virus or whatever disease you're being injected with. 
So for that being said, with it being an experimental drug, and honestly, we have no data, no recollection of these vaccines even working, how can you mandate something that's not proven to work or even we even know works? And then on top of that, we haven't even had no real FDA-approved trials to where we could even sit there and say, yeah, I think this is going to be, you know, okay for, you know, us humans to use. Yeah, I think it's going to be okay for, you know, the elderly and kids to get. We have to sit there and honestly take a step back, you know. This is this is the livelihood of not only current people's lives, and I was going to say American lives, but this is such a global pandemic. We're sitting there and we have the lives of the current generation and the leaders that are going to shape our country and our worlds today. And we also have up and coming kids that are going to shape our future. Um, So kind of where I'm kind of trying to go with this is that, you know, we have so, so many variables. I'm just going to say that we have so many variables that honestly, like, are coming into factor here. Okay, so one, if we give out this vaccine, we don't know how it's going to affect the current population. Two, we don't know if this vaccine is going to be proven to work. And three, if this vaccine doesn't work and it actually provides a counter effect, how do we even know, you know, who's going to survive this or not? This may be worse than the coronavirus itself if we're sitting there injecting people with the virus. So then it won't leave anyone in, you know, our future to honestly just sit there and have a future. with. We, we won't have anyone to sit there and rely on solid, you know, goals and aspirations when it comes to our bloodlines. So then that just kind of made me think, like, you know, I don't really think this whole mandating a vaccine and making people take it is really the smartest move, right? So then I started, um, you know, on the way to work, I'm talking to my girlfriend, and, you know, we started having a conversation about this. And she was like, well, you know, you know, she has some relatives that work in the healthcare industry that, you know, they're required, you know, by, by their job to get vaccinated every year for the flu. And, uh, you know, they have to do it at their job. They have to make sure they get in. They have medical records and go through all the little screening process to make sure they abide by these rules. So I'm like, okay. So I had asked her the question, you know, what do you think these hospitals are going to, you know, mandate this type of this type of work? And, you know, kind of what I'm saying that I'm saying as if do you think these, you know, healthcare professions and you know, hospital clinics, you know, outpatient clinics, um, you know, different types of inpatient ones as well. Do you think these places are going to sit here and make you take these uh, these mandated vaccines? And, you know, I'm, I'm bringing up this point because if they make you take a shot for the flu, which granted, I haven't taken a shot for the flu in a couple of years. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I haven't taken it in such a smooth minute. And truth be told, except for maybe last year when I was down bad for probably about maybe a couple weeks, which I I never have gotten that down bad before. I honestly don't know what it was, but it probably was the flu. But honestly, up until last year, I've never caught the flu and I never had gotten a flu shot. I've gotten a flu shot maybe back. I've gotten a flu shot probably back in elementary school. Maybe middle school, somewhere around the area, but kind of, I kind of deaded it around seventh grade. I haven't really gotten a flu shot since then, if I remember correctly. And, you know, 
from that being said, I've been in perfect health during, you know, the cold flu winter months. And, you know, I haven't been able to catch anything, you know, God willing, I'm glad and hopeful for it. But, you know, I kind of think that, you know, getting shots and somewhat getting these vaccines are honestly counterproductive at times. Like, if you really think about it, you're essentially getting a flu shot every year for the old strand of the flu the past year. Because, you know, the flu mutates every year. So it's like, how can you sit there and already have this new strain if the flu's already mutated this much since the previous year? You're basically essentially getting people acclimated to the previous year's flu when you still got the whole new one that's mutated going on this year. So, you know, with that being said, I honestly don't think these flu shots really be working. So that brings me back to my main topic of, you know... If I sit there and someone tells me I have to get this shot for work, they tell me I have to get the flu shot. Okay, this is something that, you know, statistically, well, I'm not even going to say statistically because I don't have the numbers pulled up, but historically for myself and for a lot of other people that I know that don't get the flu shot, they don't get the flu if they never got the shot. But a lot of people I know that have gotten the flu shot have actually gotten the flu. So if places of you know, they provide health care to patients are making you get these shots. And, you know, majority of the time they're proven not to work. How is that going to look when they make you try to get a corona shot? And that has no data, none whatsoever of if it works or not. You know, personally, I think that's just a little risky. I think that's just something that we could kind of like, you know, just like we, we have this, we have to see more results. And I just don't think that within our healthcare system, that's the smartest move for our healthcare workers to sit there and inject them with something that we don't know what's going to be the outcome of, especially because everyone's body is different. Everyone reacts differently to different types of medicines and different types of antibiotics. You know, everyone's body is different. So I just don't think that's the smartest work. You know, I, I agree with the whole statement of we want our healthcare workers to be safe in, in this field. And, you know, we want everyone to have immunity, but we also have to sit there and be smart at the end of the day. We don't want to sit there and put something in our bodies that's ultimately going to harm us, you know? And it's ultimately going to affect us in the long run. So that's one thing I just really kind of wanted to touch on because it just was crazy to me that this is being mandated. But yet we couldn't even mandate people wearing masks. I see people every day, you know, when I go out at stores and everything. You know, I was at one of my jobs this weekend and I was walking through... Um, one of the aisles, and I was just like, you know, I see everyone wearing this mask, right? I'm like, okay, everyone, everyone's finally getting their act together. Then that one person comes around the corner, and they kind of ruin it for everyone. And the thing was that the person that I saw, they were coughing, sneezing, and all this and that, just smiling, happy. And I'm just like, yo, do you not realize there's a whole pandemic out here? Do you realize that you know, you're not only putting yourself in danger, but you're putting everyone around you just because you're out here coughing and sneezing, doing all that, and then you don't have a mask on, and then I don't see you sanitize your hands after you sit there and rub your nose. It's like some people out here just don't get it. Like, I I, I understand if you don't want to believe in the pandemic, because like I said, I think America is very subverted nowadays. I think that our our perception of reality is so twisted that we honestly don't know what's real and what's not. We don't know what's morally right and what's morally wrong. I'm not going to say the whole country doesn't know that, but a majority of the country does. So I get if you don't think, you know, the science is proven. I get I get if you don't think 
that the coronavirus can't be real because it hasn't directly affected you, but it's directly affected others. And I think that should be enough to be said so that you can kind of see that everyone needs to be taken into consideration when it comes to this coronavirus stuff. So what I kind of wanted to even touch on was the healthcare field in general now. And honestly, at this point, I think that in times of despair and times of hardship and heartache that we're kind of going through now that, you know, I, especially with me, someone working in the healthcare field, I think that we should sit there and try to come up with a way that we can honestly be more innovative, but yet be more effective in our treatments. You know, I think that honestly with, you know, a lot of places getting an influx of patients, um, whether it be for surgeries, whether it be for rehabilitation, whether it be for, um, you know, medicinal purposes or emergency prep surgeries or you know, just regular checkups. I think it's something that, honestly, as healthcare workers, we need to take into consideration on how can we make it better for the patient? You know, how can we lighten the patient load on ourselves while also lightening the patient load on the patients themselves? And what I mean by that is making making the field and making their interaction with us as hassle-free and as effective as possible and as time-efficient as possible as well because, you know, we don't want to waste patients' time. We don't want to sit there and have them essentially wait hours and hours just for a diagnosis or a treatment. We want to, you know, kind of you know, affect them right there at the moment. We want to sit there and make sure that as healthcare providers that we kind of get them in, see what they need, and make sure that we give them an effective plan of care. And from there, we, you know, personally attain to their needs. But what I've come to find out is that, you know, and, you know, I'm... I'm taking courses on this as well. So I'm learning a lot of information as I go along, surprisingly. But, you know, I feel like and just just from me even going to the doctors as a little kid and, you know, seeing family members in the hospital that a lot of patients get treated the exact same from each other. It's kind of like I don't know if any of you guys have worked in real retail, but you ever work those one retail jobs? They're like, all right, treat every customer, you know, different. Make sure you differentiate, differentiate, ah, I'm getting tongue tied here, but make sure you you know, act different towards everyone when you greet them. Make sure you, you know, if you talk to one person, hey, how you doing? And the other one, hey, how you, you know, get more personable with the, you know, clients. You know, and what I've come to see in the healthcare field is that a lot of healthcare professionals, and I'm not going to say a lot of healthcare professionals, some healthcare professionals, because we have a lot of good ones out there. But I think as a community together that we need to kind of sit there and acknowledge our patients and actually sit there and get to know them. And not treat them as a client or a number, but actually treat them as human beings. Because at the end of the day, we're trying to see them for any type of problem they may have got going on, whether it be internally or externally. And we're trying to help them solve and get them back to their physical peak, get them back to their best form. So, you know, I just kind of want to sit there and even go in more in depth on the topic of, I think that with the coronavirus going on, and I think that where we are as a healthcare system, that we're in, honestly, the perfect position to be innovative with one another and push the envelope for patients. And what I mean is, you know, because I've even been on one of these calls before, a telehealth call, for instance, you know, a patient doesn't have to be in the facility at all for any reason. All they have to do is hop on Zoom or hop on any platform you want to be, um, whether that be Skype 
or maybe some form of a FaceTime, whatever the case may be, hop on some virtual call. Um, you have the healthcare provider on the other end, and you also have the patient on the other end. Um, you go run through an eval the same as you would in person, and you pretty much diagnose and come up with a plan of care for that patient that they then have to follow themselves. I think, in all honesty, with the way things are swinging now, with the influx of patients, and as we see right now, a lot of hospitals are getting overwhelmed with not only COVID-19 people, but you know, also just regular people in general that have regular, real, regular issues going on with their body now. So, oh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm a little, uh, whew. I'm a little backed up here. My my throat's a little dry. <laughs> Give me some water right here. <clears throat> All right. So yeah, I think what honestly the influx of patients that we kind of do have, you know, in the healthcare field right now, especially with Corona going on and a lot of hospital beds and everything, I think we need to kind of, you know, implement that telehealth aspect more. And I understand that people love that face-to-face kind of like aspect of it, but. At the same time, this is protecting both the healthcare provider and the patient. And not only should we sit there and have telehealth, but I think we should have, you know, more in-depth versions of telehealth. You know, just not just the regular call, which is good. It's a good start. But I think we can kind of advance it to where, you know, we can implement things or send things to people's households to sit there, monitor their vitals, monitor, you know, okay, well, what's your BP at today? What's your heart rate at today? And okay, what's your blood sugar levels? And Okay, let's see if you're feeling drowsiness here or kind of something in the house that, you know, and I, I don't know if you guys have seen these, but like sort of like those COVID thermometers, what those thermometers you can just go up to, not even touch and they just scan you and tell your temperature. Something like that that we can kind of implement in people's houses where we can kind of give them a little more personability when it comes to sitting there and actually taking the time and look at them, making sure that they're diagnosed correctly, making sure they're okay. Because I feel like with the way that things are trending now, everything's trending towards more technological-based things, which is good and a bad thing in a sense, depending on how you look at it. Um, personally, I have mixed opinions about it. I think it's more so good than anything. I think that technology can definitely be a benefit to what we need to do to help better people's lives and help make sure that people are safe. Um, the only thing that I kind of feel, you know, is a bad side to it is that I feel like we kind of get too advanced and too, you know handsy with the whole healing process and the whole life process in general as human beings that we can kind of get into playing with forces that we shouldn't play with but nonetheless I just you know feel like that having a more I don't want to whatever having a more kind of like technological approach as well as more of a planned approach to help dealing with patients would overall be good because you know we don't want to have an overflow of patients in the hospital, so then that's when we have them, you know, do the telehealth call. Okay, telehealth is cutting down on the amount of patients coming in and out of the facility. All right, now how do we sit there and improve that visit? Okay, we sit there, we give them, you know, various devices that we sit there and teach them how to use on themselves. It's their report back to us. And then from there, we can even sit there and give them some form of a medicine, send it off to them, prescribed, of course. Or even if they have something going on, you know, run them through their exercises together, sit there and attach links to YouTube videos or even show it to them, you know, ourselves via that web camera. But I just think there's a lot of things that we can honestly do to improve our healthcare system. Now, I do want to kind of specifically get into this topic of, you know, minorities in the healthcare system. And I think that's honestly a big issue that I've come to see working in the healthcare field 
and, you know, studying about it as well is that there's a lot of disparities within the minority community when it comes to healthcare, And it's not more so of us, you know, sitting there not wanting to go to the doctor, even though some of us don't want to go to the doctor because we feel like we don't get the quality treatment that we deserve. And for the most part, I can attest to, you know, studying some of that information and seeing it. Like I'm taking a whole class that's pretty much based on health disparities within the United States and studying the healthcare system when it comes to minorities. And it's just astonishing to see the numbers of how many of us, you know, whether it be black, brown, you know, whatever color of the skin you may have that is a majority that how many of us haven't gotten quality healthcare because we can't afford it or either because we said that we don't want to go to the doctors because we don't trust them with our lives because typically it's more likely for people of color or people who are minority descent or people who are minorities at all to sit there and not get the proper health care that they deserve because of their ethnicity. And that's a big problem within this country in the United States of America. That's a very, very, very big problem. And that's the reason why we have so many sickened communities out here where we sit here and go through so, many, so much different diseases, so much different downfalls within our community because we don't have the proper health care to sit there and help us. So now the question is, you know, it's kind of the main topic of concern is, well, how do we sit there and provide these people of color? How do we sit there and provide these people of minority descent? How do we sit there and provide these people of minority in general proper health care? And so what my school has kind of done is they kind of incorporated classes on, you know, how to sit there and deal with people with different different ethnic backgrounds and how to pretty much give them the best quality care of health care that you can. Seems like a good plan. I support it 100% of the way. Every stone on that end has been turned up. I like it. You know, you're you're implementing this mindset early on before this person even gets into the health field. Um, you're letting them know what they can do, what they can't do, how to relate to certain patients. You know, you let them know the type of demographics, um, the type of hardships that those people may come through and come from. And, you know, you basically give them overall rundown on how to help these people that, you know, essentially are a different race and ethnicity as you and how to be effective in your approach. It's good and everything. But I think we need to kind of take it a step further to even say that, you know, when it comes to these communities, I think it's just more so of, I think we need more people of color and people of minority descent and people of minority in positions in the healthcare field. And what I mean is that nothing is wrong with someone who's white treating you. That's, that's going to always be a thing, you know. We can't just sit there and wipe out, you know, them being in that field. No, it's not what I'm saying. I think that we need more people who of our skin color, who of our race that are relatable to us, that can sit there and give us the best possible healthcare experience that we can possibly can because they can relate to us. With that being said, I also think that, you know, when it comes to being in these healthcare facilities that, you know, Everything's about money nowadays, right? You know, insurances want their money, you know, co-pays, you know, numbers of visits, um, billing, and everything in healthcare is based around money. You know, I know some of you guys have been to the hospital or some of you have been to the doctor's appointment and you get that that uh, check through the mail saying, oh, you got to pay uh, this amount of money. And you're thinking like, damn, if I know that, I would have stayed my ass at home. You know, it's a lot of things that money revolves around and healthcare is a big part of it. And I feel like, the reason why a lot of people don't get the proper health care they need is because of stipulations put on by insurance companies or by government agencies or by big corporations to sit there and say, 
you need to see this number of patients per day for you to even sit there and keep up with your average quota of how much you need to pretty much bring us in business every day. Or you need to sit there and do this amount of work here and fit in this time schedule. I understand that, you know, healthcare is also a business, but at the same time, it's the business of caring for other people's health. We can't sit there and put a price on someone else's health. You know, we can't sit there and put a price on, you know, someone's life. We can't sit there and put a price on whatever they have going with them because at the end of the day, we want to see what's best for them. So I think, well, honestly, what the main problem of concern is, is that we have to sit there and not put such a price tag on our treatment to patients. We can't sit there and put a price tag on our treatment to not only patients, but the community around them. You know, we have to make sure that we're feeding the community. We have to make sure that we're giving out positive energy and positive vibes to those community, to that those communities affected and make sure they feel comfortable coming to us so that we don't have to worry about fitting people in in time slots and, you know, rushing patients in and out, in and out, in and out, because we're always going to have that influx of patients because they trust us. I think that there's a trust factor that has been lost within the minority community and also, you know, the healthcare community. Because, you know, me being black, I, I can tell you right now, it was a lot of times that I didn't even want to go to the doctor because I'm thinking I'm going to get injected with something that I don't know what it is. I'm not going to get the proper care because, of course, at the end of the day, the color of my skin. So I don't even think I'm going to get the quality care to even start with when I go through the door. And then on top of that, if I do even get seen, it's later on in the process. And by then, like whatever has happened to me, it's happened to me that I feel like I just feel like I'm not going to be taken as well of care of as if I was somebody of color, not color, if I was somebody who was white. So. I think that honestly with being someone who's black and someone who who works in the healthcare field and who sees this and who's studying this avidly, I think that we we just really need to re- improve relations within the community within the healthcare system and, you know, minority groups. And I think that just needs to build up the trust and I think also we need to get quality people in there. I don't think and which I know a lot of people who I went to school with, who I actually have gotten into the medical field just because of how much money they get paid off and not necessarily because they enjoy helping people, but because they see the bag that it brings. And I think that, you know, we need to come up with some type of way to weed those people out. Like if you want a bag, by all means, go ahead and get your bag, but don't sit there and do it at the expense of someone's health. Don't sit there and come to work every day and not really like your job and not like working with people and not talking and being interactive with patients if all you're sitting there is worried about getting six figures at the end of the day. That's that's not the whole goal of getting into this field. The field pays well because you're doing something that is deemed necessary and it's a need-based business. Like, There's always people that's going to be sick that need to be treated. There's always going to be people that gets hurt that need to be treated. There's always going to be cases that need to be seen and getting treated. That's why you get paid the big bucks to sit there and make those life-changing calls to sit there and either help somebody or sometimes potentially be detrimental. So don't come and work in the healthcare field if you just want a bag. That's not the reason for getting into it. Like, I can tell you guys a story right now, and, you know, I'll let you guys know. So uh, back in 2017, in December, I had tore my ACL and my meniscus. And um, I was at basketball practice, and I went up for a rebound. And I was drawn back and forth at practice with one of the other players, and I went up for a layup, and I heard a crack. And um, I came down, um, 
try to stand up on my on my leg, couldn't stand up, couldn't bend it at all. I thought, well, maybe after a couple of minutes I can walk it off, right? Um, that whole night um, I spent in the ER trying to see if anything was broken. Nothing was broken. Um, by the next day, it had turned my birthday, so I was like, well, I'll spend my birthday in, um, you know, in the ER. That's that's a pretty fun festival way to, you know, kind of, you know, celebrate it. Um, next week after that, you know, I had an appointment scheduled to go see the orthopedic uh, surgeon and, um, come to find out I tore my ACL and my lateral and medial meniscus. So like, you know, pretty much at that point, and this is, uh, this is my senior year of high school. So I'm, I'm pretty much bummed. I'm like, you know, I'm going to be on crutches the whole year. I'm not going to be able to enjoy anything. So, um, you know, I ended up going to physical therapy. It was a really rough year overall because uh, I spent my whole year on crutches and got to school about an hour and a half early just to crutch across the parking lot because I had the very last parking parking spot across the parking lot. So I was all the way from the school, pretty much across the road. So I had to make sure I got there early to have enough time to get to class. And just in case, because this is my first time on crutches, if I didn't know how to maneuver, if some accident was to happen, I could sit there and help myself back up because I didn't want to be helped. Because back then I was very prideful, and I didn't, I didn't want that much help. I didn't want to seem helpless. Um, I had went to physical therapy for probably about a year and a half, two years, um, and I worked with a very good, uh, with a very good therapist. He was a sports medicine uh, PT, and um, in my time in there, it made me realize just you know how much I loved physical therapy. Um, I was a big workout junkie, still am a big workout junkie, uh, love to lift, love to work out, love to improve the body naturally. And, um, you know, basically, um, as I got to know my own body, I got to know PT more and essentially it transitioned from my love to working out to me loving to work other people out and seeing them be successful and seeing them build themselves up and, ultimately to me start networking and ultimately me end up working at a physical therapy clinic and so you know what kind of drove me is not only my love for physical therapy and you know seeing you know the positive results you get from it but actually helping people out and you know in physical therapy you can definitely see the progression between uh, a post-op patient and you can definitely see the progression between you know a patient who may be six to eight weeks out from whatever injury they may have so for me, you know, getting into the healthcare field was really like, you know, a rewarding thing, especially because I really felt like I was impacting lives and I really felt like I was impacting those around me to I could sit there and talk to a patient and not only connect with them on a physical level to me helping them work out and getting their exercises and strengthen all the right muscles that they honestly didn't know they even had and dealing with forces that they didn't even know dealt with their body, but also getting to connect with them on a personal level to where I can sit there and I can talk about their family life and talk about what they got going on after work and what they got going on during their days and just honestly getting to know patients. And that and that's honestly the best part is actually establishing those connections with the patients and, you know, seeing them get better. And I think more people honestly need to have that type of attitude where they sit there, they enjoy talking to their patients, they enjoy actually sitting there doing their job, and they enjoy it, and they do it with a smile, and they do it with charisma. I just think that when, you know, and I'm only saying it because I know a lot of people that just got into these medical fields because of money. I don't think that you need to be in the medical field if all you care about is money at the end of the day, because at the end of the day, you will not like your job at all, because it takes a lot of energy to be a personable person. 
when it comes to the healthcare field. You have to sit there and you have to actually be attentive and know what you're doing on top of establishing connections. And if you're not a very, you know, talkative, connective person, then this is not going to be the field for you. So I think where we have a disconnect is that we need to get more quality people within the healthcare field, more people that actually care about what's going on with this person and how can we fix it. And I think that's something that honestly can be, you know, addressed. We just have to kind of figure out the formula for it. But <laughs> I digress. But I'm going to keep this uh this mini series short. It's not going to probably be about 30, 30 to 45 minutes. It's just a quick snippet of some stuff that I like to talk about in my my spare time and uh, kind of go ahead and just let let my own personal voice be heard without uh you know, kind of stepping on anyone else's toes. So this is going to be the first segment of, you know, this mini series. And uh, hopefully, you know, you guys enjoy and uh, we can come up with some more. Other than that, is your host with the most DB and I'm I'm out. <laughs>